pledge allegiance to the band. It may perhaps discourage you, unless of your kidney, or infected with this vicious virus, that you'll be ordered to pay a fine of 75 pounds. I'll pay now to go for it. Just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder. These guys would have it. Welcome to Movies at Rock, a rock and roll journey through cinema. I'm your host, Josh Fitzgerald, and returning to the co-host chair today is my friend from Rock Hall Monitors. It's Mr. Philip Bergman. How are you doing today? I am I am fine, and I am caffeinated, so fear Excellent. me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's great to be back. Thank you for Good. having me again. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. I'm, I'm sort of the opposite of caffeinated at the moment. Um, as, as I noticed, you liked my Twitter post about this new type of pink floyd inspired wine that i'm drinking <laughs> <laughs> so it's been so i'm kind of on the i'm on the decline right now because it's 5 sure. p.m here the sun's already starting to set thanks to daylight savings time so <laughs> uh, how how far north in latitude are you because i'm i'm close to the 49th parallel that's how far north i oh, am wow i i'm close to that I'm, i don't know the exact number um mm-hmm. but i i think we're, we're pretty close I, I, I just think of it more geographically as like I'm like 20 minutes away from the Canadian border. So am I. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but, but, you, but you're also separated by a great lake, whereas I'm so. just, uh, you know, separated by the the actual line of latitude. So. Right, right. That's true. <laughs> I miss going up there. I used to go there a couple times a year just to shop and do stuff, but hopefully soon. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, what's new in your life, Philip? What's been going on? Oh, well, the, I mean, the, that's See, actually kind of a downer question to uh, ask. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. All Sept- things considered. <laughs> September was, uh, on the personal front, just, a a bad month, but, oh, uh, sorry to hear that. And now, now we're just getting ready for the, for the holiday season. Yeah. So that's, Unfortunately, work is preoccupying most of my time and yeah. thoughts. I I even forgot it was my parents' anniversary recently. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I mean, I remembered like a couple days before, but I had to call them and say, "Hey, your card is going to be way late." <laughs> I'm so embarrassed about it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they were okay with it. That we are here to discuss this evening, or actually, I guess yes. it would be this afternoon. Um, which was your suggestion, and I was really excited about this one. Um, it's Let It Be. And I've done um, two other Beatles movies so far for the show. I've done Yell Submarine was the inaugural podcast that I did way back when, and um, I also did A Hard Day's Night last year. And um, this one was exciting for me because it's such, A, it's such a legendary movie, and B, I had never actually seen the entire film in its you know it's in its entirety so i was really excited to do that and this was your suggestion so so thank you for that yep well you know i yellow submarine would have been my first choice i absolutely love Mm. yellow submarine i love how imaginative it is yeah i love the love listening to the commentary like you just some of the interesting things about yellow submarine such as the guy who did the voice of george Mm mm-hmm they met him in a bar one night, 
Oh, wow. And they said, you know, he kind of sounds like George. Maybe we could cast him. He agreed to do it. And shortly after they finished recording all of the George dialogue, the guy got picked up because he was mm. AWOL from the British military. No way. Really? I'm not sure if he was Royal <laughs> uh, British Navy or Royal Air Force, but he was AWOL. That's wild. That's crazy. And so that was like his one claim to fame, apparently. And then what, yeah. I wonder what like his. Wow, that's that's crazy. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I would have loved to have done Yellow Submarine. That but, you know, one. I we, we don't need to don't need to revisit it. Right. Um, did you now? Did you see um, when it was re-released in the theaters for the anniversary? Did you happen to catch it when it was running in the theaters? I did not. No. Uh, oh, that's a shame. There were there was only a brief couple of years in my life where I really spent a lot of time at the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than that, um, movies it had to grab my attention for me to want to go see it. Um, and I know that next, I think it's next year, maybe the year after. They're doing. I was just reading an article about it yesterday. They're doing like a repackaging of this movie. Um, and I guess it's going to be involving Peter Jackson of um, Lord of the Rings fame. Okay. From what I understand, I don't. I, I think it, they're not exactly re-releasing the film itself. I think they're. It's almost like the, it's almost like a remix of the movie. So they're taking, like the basic nugget of the movie, but also adding, different things into it, like interviews and stuff like that. Of of Let It Be. From of Let It Be, yeah. And along oh, with wow. it, yeah, and along with it, they're also re-releasing. I think they're doing like a like a deluxe box of the album or something like that. So it's okay. like I think I look for that. I think they're they're aiming for fall of next year, for that for this all to be released. So nice. That'd be kind of cool. That will be that will be interesting, but probably mm. also prohibitively expensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I'm not. A, I've never very seldom buy box sets of things if i if there's like a remastered something i will usually just get the basic unless it's like something i'm really into but i very seldom buy that but the movie sounds interesting like that's something if you know if theaters are back in normal capacity by then that's something i would definitely like to experience on you know in a theatrical setting well maybe it'll include all the footage that got chopped out of the the original screening i mm-hmm. was reading on this and i don't know if you caught this too but mm-hmm. the original cut of let it be had to be shortened because mm-hmm. uh supposedly three of the beatles were upset that john got too much screen time oh wow like, okay G- george paul and ringo thought there was just too much john hmm. in in the original cut so it got pared down to what uh, got officially released. Wow, yeah, I, I heard that they did have to edit it significantly, but I didn't hear that that was the reason why. That's interesting. A lot of, a lot of ego in that era of the Beatles, that's for sure. Which, <laughs> yeah, which is funny because watching this one now, it almost seems like it's way too Paul-heavy. Oh, big time. And, and, you know, I wonder, too, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking as you were talking about this, it does seem Paul-heavy, but is it because if his he has more screen time than the other Beatles? Or is it because he has such a strong presence and personality in the movie? You know, cause he's Could so be both. Yeah. I, I also would suspect that's because most of the songs on the let it be album 
are his brain children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know, true. he's singing lead on more of them than John and certainly more than George. And there's no Ringo. Right, right. Although there is a little bit of one of my favorite. Well, maybe we should maybe we should wait and get to this later. But one of my favorite moments in the movie does involve Ringo. So um, but we'll get okay. to that. So um, so kind of sure. kind of just to lead off, I, I um, the, the biggest thing about this movie that I know most listeners, though, I mean, it's legendary is, is how it I mean, it was never released. Let It Be was never got an official release. Um, it's incredibly difficult to find or at least pre-internet pre-2020 was incredibly difficult to find um even bootlegs of it were pretty um rare and so (laughs) i remember we were we were when you first um mentioned that you wanted to do this movie to me it popped in my head that i was talking with somebody not that long ago about one of the only places you can actually see this movie legally is on pornhub (laughs) (laughs) and it's because of the copyright stuff sure hey you know don't don't look at me there. I'm an essential worker. I don't have time for that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. I did for the record, boy, uh, boys and girls. I, I I'm talking like I'm speaking to my elementary students. I apologize, <laughs> La- ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> like you can watch it on any platform you want. I did not watch it on Pornhub. Sure. I watched it on Vimeo, which was um, okay. a decent print. Um, the it was it, the audio was interesting in the in the version I watched because. Especially, I noticed it mostly during the rooftop concert because uh, I had I had these headphones on while I was watching it, and um, they overdubbed the um, the audio from the album onto a lot of the songs that were being performed. And I know a lot of the songs on the album are from that concert, but there were times where it was really like it was a little jarring. <laughs> Especially like okay. I, I dig a pony. I notice it, especially because in the mix of that, the version of the song they do on the rooftop, after the guitar intro, they have a different section leading into the verse. It's not on the album where they go, "All I want is uh, I." And so what it did in the version that I saw, um, they had the intro from the album, which had really clear fidelity, and then they cut it, and then they put the audio from the film during that section and then they went back to the high quality audio for the rest of the song and it was really noticeable <laughs> mm. yeah and it, okay. it, it really stuck out to me and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's something that's in every print you'll find um but it just it, it okay. really kind of caught me off guard but yeah you know i didn't again if you don't know to look for it I probably won't notice it. Right. And I think the only reason I actually noticed it because I had the headphones on. If I was watching it like on my okay. TV, I probably wouldn't. There were a couple of times where I okay. maybe would have because the lip syncing was a little bit off. Um, it, it, again, in that song in particular, one after 9092, I noticed was a little, there were a little lip syncing issues. Um, okay. But but as far as like the audio quality goes, I, if, I weren't, if I wasn't wearing my headphones, I probably wouldn't have noticed it. Okay. And I... I own a DVD of it, so mm. I was just watching it coming through my television speaker. So that's not something I would have right. noticed in that event. Right. It was. Just, I just thought it was kind of interesting, and I hmm. didn't know if it was the person who posted it on Vimeo who did who made that choice, or if it was actually from, you know, the cut of the film that is kind of being widely distributed. Just, just kind of a food for thought thing, you know. Interesting. Yeah. I was gonna say it was a TV special in England, wasn't it? Oh, I think you're right. Yes, I think it was broadcast once in conjunction with the album. And almost immediately, as soon as the album came out and there was so much hype surrounding 
this documentary about the Beatles, you know, and, and right on the tails of Paul's first album, it almost immediately became like a legendary, you know, almost like an urban legend about this movie. And I would think interesting. Yeah. And I would think back in the seventies too, that would be, it would, the legend would have been even stronger because we don't, I mean, today we have access to all these kinds of things. We can watch it easily. We can find out information about it easy and easily in the seventies and eighties, even for part of the nineties, we didn't have that kind of access. So this let it be was kind of a Holy grail, I think. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, kind of weird. I, I bought a, I got a copy of it on eBay. That's how I got it. And it was, international i want to say it was from japan i'm not sure where i got it from but yeah it was an international copy and yeah back in the early part of the new millennium back when if you said you could find anything on this website people would have assumed you meant ebay not not that other site (laughs) right (laughs) back in the aughts (laughs) back in the aughts yeah, that's that must have that must have cost a pretty penny back in the day. Even now, I, I feel it like probably it did. Have, yeah. yeah, I remember I had to get my copy of Help from overseas mm. as well. Oh wow! All but a hard day's night. I think I had to get from overseas. Oh wow! So. Okay, and it's funny because most of those movies now are, are pretty easy to come by. Um, sure. The Yellow Submarine, I think, is still a little bit. I don't think it's still in print on DVD. I could be wrong. But I had to, I had to that's do the shame. eBay for mine. Yeah, you can that's still... a shame because that's my that's my favorite of the five Beatle movies. Me, me too. Me too. Not Magical Mystery Tour. I thought that one was you know, everybody's favorite. <laughs> everybody talks smack about it, but I actually liked Magical Mystery I, Tour. I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I you know I kind of watch it when I watch it. It's like I'm watching an infomercial for a fictional tour bus company. <laughs> that the ad campaign was, hey, let's go all in with this psychedelic '60s vibe. Yeah, like, like the the title track sounds like it could have been a jingle for a, of like a bus company. Absolutely, <laughs> and like even you know, like the only part that doesn't really fit into it is the dream of Aunt Jessie. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that scene. It's so true. The spaghetti, but, but like. <laughs> But it's it's a wonderful experience because it's protected by wizards who are casting spells to yes. make sure that you're having a lovely time. Yes. <laughs> even even watching John and George at a strip club. There you go. <laughs> I was so scandalized by that scene when I was a little kid. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming. My parents had never seen that. Oh, it's the Beatles. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll and be fine. And then that scene came up. I was like... <gasps> Yeah, that's really funny. Just with the big <laughs> well, censored, censored anyway, word across, yeah. across it, yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. No, well, the, we can dis- we can discuss that one for another episode. Yes, we'll save that for later. Right? If that, we digress. Sure. Yeah, but we um, digress. Yeah, let it let it be. Um, it surprised me in a, in a couple, actually, in a few ways. But I, let me let me get your thoughts on it first. I know you've see, probably seen this countless times, but. Um, um, and, you know, even before we do that, let's talk a little bit about your relationship in history with the Beatles. Um, I know they're pretty much everybody's first band. Um, there's not a lot that anybody can say about the Beatles that hasn't been said before. But as far as your personal relationship and connection to them, where did where did that start for you? Honestly, it's when I started listening to oldies radio. You know, I first got into oldies music in my early teens um, mm. for one of my birthdays. My 
mom gave me three cassettes and none, none of them were Beatles, but that did perk my interest in the music of the fifties and sixties a lot more. So I started listening to oldies radio quite a lot. And of course the Beatles were a staple and, yeah. you know, right, right alongside Motown, which growing up in Michigan, you heard more Motown than you heard Beatles. Yeah. That's so, I, I would imagine. Yeah. That's basically where the introduction came. Of course, with oldies, you get the you get more pre Pepper stuff, and then when you mm-hmm. switch to classic rock, you get Pepper on up a right. lot more. That, yeah, so that that's really true. where it, it it took off. Um, yeah, and then I, you know, even got into the solo careers and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it's um, you know, I'm sure most people's first band that they really a lot of like serious music fans, like their first band that they really fall in love with is the Beatles. Cause I mean, they're so, I mean, they're so cross generational. They're so accessible, but the, they, but they really straddle all those worlds between, you know, accessibility and experimental and, and, um, you know, time. They weren't my first band, and, but yeah. Yeah. Not my first band, but yes, mm. it, you know, they got to me too. So. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, sim- similar with me, that was my first album was you know the Red and Blue albums, you know, and I just okay. played played the grooves off of those back when I had my Fisher Price <laughs> record player. <laughs> yeah, me a little, um, and then I went and got the cassettes, and then I wore the cassettes out, and yeah, so you know, and um, yeah, you know, it's these days I don't play them all that much because I mean I I every we, we can all recite all the words to all the songs, but um, basically, yeah, but I but. Their, their their importance is just you know you can't be overstated and um it's continual it is it really is um yeah and and so i'm it this is so as far as let it be goes um you know like i said it's legendary and it's a movie that i've heard of most of my beetle fandom life um but I never really went to see if I could find it because I knew that it was unreleased and that, you know, as rumor had it, it was very difficult to find. So I figured, eh, I'm not going to really go out of my way to try and find it. And, I, you know, and the Beatles themselves are, are a little bit, um, they're, they're not thrilled about this movie's existence. <laughs> I think it brings back a lot of um, uncomfortable memories for them. And so they you right. know, they always kind of talk down about it. Yeah. Um, right. Well, I I know George and Paul both called the the sessions, if you will, at the Twickenham studio, mm-hmm. which is the first part of the movie. They called that the most hellish of the session work they ever did. And that's also where it happened, where George briefly quit the band. And you you can see that that kind of simmering <laughs> towards the beginning with his exchange with Paul, his rather famous yeah. exchange with Paul. <laughs> and that, yeah, in fact, that's about the time when George put down his guitar and, and walked off. Um, that got captured in its entirety, I think, and but only that much footage made it into the movie. I, yeah, it, it's funny because. Yeah, for all of the talk you hear about how bad and nightmarish it was upon the Beatles, it when you look at the movie, it doesn't seem quite that bad. There's tension, but it doesn't look like 
the fabric is being rent asunder necessarily. Yeah, it's yeah, that was a, it downplays it. Yeah, that was one of the things that um when I mentioned there was a few things that surprised me about this movie. That was one of them because I was expecting to just be if you think about the history of why they made this movie, you know, they had to, you know, they wanted to document them making themselves making albums, so they had to drag themselves to the studio at eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, play all day long in front of the cameras and you know, and they always they you know, the footage that I had seen, they all looked so miserable and um you know, clearly nobody except Paul really wanted to be there. But I was <laughs> when in actually watching the movie as a whole, I was actually kind of surprised by how not miserable it was like there there was um a lot of moments where they really seemed to be enjoying each other's company and each other's presence and um really kind of inspiring each other to do you know to make good music and um that was that was really very cool to see if you watch the scripted beatles films or if you watch their concert footage you never really get that the same kind of feeling of camaraderie between them as I, as I got watching certain scenes in this movie. Certain ones like us, like with Ringo and Paul working on the piano together, doing that little bit of first thing in the morning, they just do a little boogie woogie type of jazz. And Ringo can really play. Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was really impressed. I'm like, he's got some piano chops. The one, one of the real standout moments for me, like I was saying, involving Ringo, was the scene where him and George are starting to f- start to write um, Octopus's Garden, and um, yep. you can hear the, the the kernel of the song is there, like the verse is there, and then they they the, the um they start to form the chorus part. It was it was just really it was cool to see, not only just you know the Beatles themselves at work coming up with the music, but you know Ringo, one of Ringo's two songwriting credits and seeing that kind of happen in real time was very, very, well, very cool. two, two of his soul songwriting credits, shall we say? Yeah. He, there, there are a number of songs he was at. Well, there's only about like five or six mm-hmm. that he was actually like, he was listed as a co-writer on what goes on. Yeah. And then, and then all four Beatles were listed as writers for flying. Mm hmm. And and also for Christmas time is here again. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, and and also um, a song that only appears in the movie, Susie Parker. Oh yes, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. That was a little, uh, it's <laughs> just a little ditty <laughs> that makes a very yeah. brief appearance in the movie. Yeah, you know, I I kind of wish they had fleshed that one out and put that on the album instead of a couple of the other tracks. Yeah, that was that was neat to see. It was one of the surprising elements of this movie. And also I was surprised too by how short the movie was. <laughs> it was like done well, and over I, before I, we were like, oh, it's over already. <laughs> I think part of that had to do with the fact that it was made as a TV special, mm-hmm. I think, to, to keep it concise for running time. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of um, the movie is um, viewable in the Beatles anthology, which I watched all the time when I was a kid. So a lot of the, the clips kind of came back to me as I was seeing it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, there were certain scenes that, that were not. It was it was pretty cool. Was the first time you saw this movie when you got the DVD? Yes. Okay. Yep. It was kind of a bragging rights purchase to say, <laughs> you know, I own all the Beatles movies on DVD. Ha ha. Right. <laughs> not many people can make that claim. That is true. So, um, but, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and and the first the first half of the movie was a little bit felt a little bit more morose than the second half, I think. Um, right. Well, 
Yeah, that was the you know the Twickenham Studios mm-hmm. where they're trying to hash out some of the yeah hash out some of those songs. You know, trying to come up with the chord progression. Like you even hear them, you hear Paul <laughs> rattling off the chord progressions that are supposed to be played during Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Right. You. Yeah, you have them basically trying to figure out the words that they want to put in, even trying to figure out the style that the song should be done in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that was one thing I really noticed when they did two of us at, at mm-hmm. the Twickenham Studios is they gave it a much more faster, well, not much faster, but a faster pace than than what you hear on the album and they mm-hmm. really hype up the rhythm so it has that traveling feel to it yeah yeah for sure you know, it feels like you're in a train or a, or a moving vehicle instead of mm-hmm. you know in the studio version that you get it sounds like there has the feel of them riding in a horse carriage kind of thing yeah yeah it does versus the um really more subdued arrangement that made the the final album Yep. Yeah, that was that was kind of neat. It, it it felt more propulsive, I guess, is it kind of how I felt. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was a really good twist on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I really like that. Something else they also do um, when they are shooting in Apple Studios, they do that a little bit with Long and Winding Road, where they give mm-hmm. it kind of a lounge jazz feel, kind of like yeah. how Sade would would record that song. I would think. Yeah, and you know that that just speaks to the to the insane versatility of the Beatles. Like they could just sit down and okay, let's do a lounge jazz version of the Scientist Row. Okay, and then they just wham, they just play it, you know. Or, or yeah. let's let's just let's sit down and play Besame Mucho. Okay, here we go, you know. Or let's do well, this Besame Elvis Mucho song. Was, yeah. <laughs> well, Besame Mucho was in their catalog for a long, long time. I yeah. if you go back to the anthologies, I mean, that was the song they used as a test even going as far back as 62 yeah yeah that's that so, that is true that, yeah it's just kind of neat how, how they can they can you know slither their way between styles so easily you know yeah <laughs> like nothing and i like i like paul's um kind of demented demonic vocals in that take of Besame mucho <laughs> 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 having fun with that that was a really good example of of the camaraderie that you that you saw between them like yep. that's when they really you know for all their all their personal strife that they went through especially you know with paul kind of dictating things that he wanted when they were making music like when they were just playing as a band that's when you could really feel that chemistry i, th- I think you could but one thing i also noticed in the movie is that the times that that happens the most strongly mm-hmm. is when they're playing the covers when they're doing that yeah. medley of rip it up, shake, rattle and roll with Kansas city. Yeah. That's um, true. That, you know, they're, they're just riffing jamming prior to it. And that's right. when the camaraderie is there when they're, yeah, they're not doing their own songs. So it's right. That's less the music that got involved. them together initially. You know, it was because yep. of those songs that they really, that they formed their, their initial connection and, and really, you know, built you their know, relationship. And that's, that's one of the reasons I actually like, one after nine oh nine two as a song. I I kind of bring that up too because 
you see, I have that moment in the movie where I think it's George Martin talking to Paul about one after nine Oh nine. And Paul's like, yeah, that song. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually like that because it does have that feel of their fifties roots, basically or yeah. influences. It sounds like something that could have been, you know, maybe even a Larry Williams song oh yeah the, the utterly simplistic storyline the mm-hmm. even kind of the self-deprecating oh wait i screwed up kind of thing <laughs> right right it it it's very much a throwback to their influences and honestly it's one of the few upbeat numbers from that album true that yeah. really has a good pace to it so I know it's not their favorite, and the the organ line piping in between each line is, gets a little grating after a while. But yeah. overall, overall, I do like one after nine oh nine. That's nobody's favorite Beatles song, and it's right. not my favorite on the album. But I like it a lot more than a lot of other Beatles fans will give that song credit for. Yeah, I think it's fun. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. It's very much a a throwback to their to their roots, like you said, which is which is pretty cool. And um and they really they, you can just see that how much fun they're having. There's another there's a really ex- cool exchange between John and Paul in the um, um rooftop concert when they're performing that song, um because a lot of for throughout most of the concert they're not really they're next to each other but they're not really looking at each other. But there's a, a a look that they kind of shoot at each other while they're singing that song. It's almost like this this kind of like playful kind of you know smirk that they give each other like yeah you know when they're doing that sign it was kind of like oh that's that's a little heartwarming <laughs> you know they do they don't they don't despise each other despite what you know the history books might say <laughs> <laughs> I, it was just it was just a matter of you know i've seen of you kind of thing yeah yeah exactly yeah um but but i guess going back to paul and, and um and i guess his kind of domineering manner in the in the movie I, I mean, I could sort of see where it's one of those kind of tightrope things where he's very much he's a artist musician with a very clear vision of what he wants, you know, and there's so much ego in the band that he, you know, it's, you know, he's talking about his song. This is what he wants. And he's very, <laughs> and I, I don't know. It, it feels like the other members of the band were maybe not quite on board with that. <laughs> Probably it may also have just been an issue of him not being able to express mm-hmm. it clearly enough how he, because again during that scene with Paul and George, George is saying I'll play it any way you want. I'll right. not play it if you if that's what you want. It's right. it just and, and you see that too with oh what song was it? I've got a feeling oh, yeah. where he's trying he's trying to express the the chord descension. Yeah. To, to John and he's just he can't quite express how he wants it in a way that John and the audience too can really right. latch on it's to like, he, like he, okay he this is, this is how brain. you're hearing right. in his head yeah yeah but he can't like you said he can't articulate it in a way that that is you know makes sense and I feel like that's kind of a common musician problem <laughs> sure. it's, hard, it's hard to express what you're hearing in your head like I mean like Brian Wilson, I think of a lot too, because he had so many melodies and sounds and arrangements in his head that he wanted, but he couldn't, he couldn't find the right way to articulate that in a way that was, you know, that worked for the people he was working with, you know? 
and sometimes it'll all it'll just sound better in your head than it will in actuality. Right, right. Which is which is true of of jokes or whatever as well right. as music. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel it like or, or, or was... the ideas you toss out. <laughs> right. Yes. Like podcasting, for instance. <laughs> I have so many ideas. It sounded like a good idea in right. my head. What happened? <laughs> I, I thought we I mean, I thought talking about cats would be a great idea. I mean, <laughs> who knew the yeah. audience was going to turn it off right away? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I yeah, I didn't think he was quite as overbearing as, you know, he's always made out to be. Maybe that's why his yeah. first his first solo album was so, you know, turned out so well because he he was his own boss. He could do however he wanted with whatever he wanted. You know, he he works better. And he, and he did everything too. Mm-hmm. He he played all the instruments on it and everything. Yeah, he's both a delight and a chore to work with, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's one of those like like, like mm-hmm. Phil Spector, but without guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, that's not that's not fair to Paul. I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting. This is kind of really shifting gears big time. But um, George, you know, we were talking about George. You know, as we're going through all the songs of the song, George doesn't really seem as far like he has one. He contributes one song to the movie. I mean, well, two. Oh, two. two. Yeah, that's right. For you, Blue. That's right. Um, but he doesn't yep, seem that... like he's really that invested in this. In this whole. Well, that's also why. If you recall your Beatles history too, that's also why mm. All Things Must Pass was a triple album mm. because so many songs he wanted to bring to the table and just could not right. get get approved by the other members. Right. It was and always had to be the Lennon McCartney songs primarily. Right. So he put every he saved so much material for All Things Must Pass and that's why it had to be a triple album. Right. And that absolutely worked out in his favor. Because <laughs> that's a yep. that's a really classic album, one of the best Beatles solo albums, I think. Sure. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and both of his songs, I mean, they're they're fine, they're okay. I'm not like super keen on either one of them, but um, yeah, I, I do like. Well, I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I like I Me Mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for basically, it's. I guess message, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, for you, blue is just one of those, another callback to their roots. Yeah. Because he even calls out Elmore James in the middle of it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little generic, I think for me, um, it doesn't really stand understandable. Yeah. Well, that's why it was a, a flip side. That's why it was a mm-hmm. B side too. Right. When it was released from that same, um, era. I actually really like old Brown shoe quite a bit. I know there was a little bit yeah. after this, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, old brown shoe, I never quite got the analogy of what it means to step out the old brown shoe, but right. it's a, <laughs> I, I like the boogie feel of yeah. it. And really the, the feel of that song really pairs well with the A side of it, the ballad of John mm-hmm. and Yoko. Yeah. So, it, you know, you get two real good moving two, feeling two songs. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's it, so it kind of speaking of John and Yoko um, and the George connection. I, I did enjoy their little um, their little routine waltz. dance routine they did. Yeah, their waltz, waltz <laughs> during "I Me Mine" that was kind of cute <laughs> and a nice uh, little piece yeah, of levity was, in the movie. Yep, which is kind of again, it's 
an odd juxtaposition when you consider the gravitas of what I mean mine is about the right. the selfishness of people in general. Right, right, absolutely. But, um, yeah, it was, it was it was endearing to see. Yeah, it was. I th- I think. If, Yoko was a bit of an elephant in the room, both in terms of probably this discussion and the band. She's one whose presence lingers throughout. And she's a very, very controversial figure, as everyone knows. Um, right. Well, I, yeah. as I understand, her presence was more at John's behest than hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I got my history wrong, but... No, I think so. I, 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 I've kind of known, it, for people who are regular listeners of this, that I, I'm, I'm very much a Yoko apologist. <laughs> um I think I think that like I mean, say what you will about her, you know her art, whatever you know. I mean, I think um, a lot of what I think you know, it is what it is. But I think that she has kind of fallen victim to a lot. She's such an easy target because of her being there so much. Particularly right. in these sessions, are where really kind of where her reputation really was solidified as being a, you know, kind of a attached at the hip. She's really fallen victim to a lot of the finger pointing of, you know, she broke the Beatles up and, um, right. you know, and, and that turning into, you know, a lot of years and years, decades and decades of racist and sexist comments when really, I mean, like she really was there, but she wasn't getting in anybody's way. She wasn't screaming no. over the music. She wasn't really telling people. She what wasn't to do. trying to give any notes. Right. Right. Even though there, there have been, you know, documents that she had, that she did that, like, Oh, you should try it this way. But I mean, that certainly wasn't the case in this film that I saw. No, no. And I'm, I, I'll tell you what, I'm a Yoko fan too. So I, yeah, I have no problem with her presence there. Like I said, I I thought it was because John wanted her there mm-hmm. rather than her insisting on tagging along. Absolutely. It, I mean, John was a needy guy, <laughs> you know. And um, I yeah, and I wouldn't doubt it if if he insisted that she was there. You know, I mean, she she left John for over a year in the early seventies. You know, and and um, mm-hmm. I think that he was a lot more vulnerable and emotionally fragile than she was but yeah no I, I you know she she is definitely there in the movie and we see you know we see enough of her but i mean it was certainly not in a way that was you know that would castigate her in any way right exactly i mean paul's family comes to the studio in one and of how adorable is little heather i know come on she's so cute <laughs> her, her her twirling when they're playing the the old r&b standards yep yeah, twirling <laughs> touch falls down, and that that moment that just epitomizes Ringo with her, with Ringo and little Heather there. Mm-hmm. He's pretending to kind of not pay attention, and she bangs the drum with his things like, oh, oh, what, what, what? <laughs> I mean, that is that's like that was Ringo's persona it was. to the hilt. It really was. <laughs> it was it was so heartwarming and yeah, so wonderful to watch it, it really is i totally can see why in terms of personality why ringo would be some people's favorites he's just he sure. seems like such a just such a cool person to be around you know pretty absolutely yeah pretty devoid of you know ego and you know the usual trappings of the rock star if you will i would agree with that yeah i mean he certainly has his own level of fame and there's going to come probably come some ego with it, but at the same time, it, yeah. you, you definitely get the impression that it never dominated. Yeah. He always kept down to earth. Right. And if you watch the, the, the hall of fame 
ceremony from a few nights ago. He still looks pretty darn good for an 80 year old man. Like, yep. He is very, very well preserved. <laughs> Oldest beetle and, and still doing amazing. He looks better than Paul. And I think like he, you know, Paul's gotten, he's aged a lot, but Ringo's Ringo still looks great. Yeah. For the most part, I would agree with that. I, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any recent pics of Paul. I don't think he was involved with the hall of fame ceremony, but, right. um, yeah, just, Ringo's keeping up really well. Yeah, he is. I, I the most recent footage I saw of Paul was when they um he has the, the new album coming out, McCartney Three, and they, there was some okay. footage of him recording it during um, quarantine that he filmed. Oh, okay. That he posted. So yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, yeah, he still looks good too. Um, sure. Yeah, and I, how amazing is it that like nearly sixty years into his career and he's still making albums. He's still writing songs. He's still active in the music scene. Like that's yeah. amazing. You know, I, I'm I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about the songs. Um, where does the album sure. kind of stack for stack up for you as far as the Beatles catalog? Yeah, as in where do I rank? Let it be among yeah. the Beatles albums. Yeah. You know, it's, I would definitely say it's my favorite of the post-Revolver albums. Mm, okay. Believe it or not. Wow. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, people in the Rock Hall watching community know this about me, but I love 50s and 60s music. Mm. And I especially love the early Beatles. I love how you can connect with those songs at a, Maybe not at an intellectual level, but definitely at a more kinetic level. Not even dancing, but mm-hmm. you just feel it in your body more, whether you just kind of shake your shoulders or nod your head or something. And as someone who loves harmonies, I love mm. the earlier songs because you can sing along to them yeah. more. You can even toy with trying to sing harmonies yeah. to, to Beatles songs, you know, taking the higher part. Right on the second go round of all my loving. <laughs> yep. Even make up your own yeah. harmony lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I absolutely love the earlier revolver is definitely my favorite mm-hmm. Beatle album followed by rubber soul. Yeah. Those are my but, top. Those are, mm, yeah. I think my two and three. Yeah. Okay. I've never formally ranked them, but <laughs> just off the yeah, top of my head. I mean, yeah. but but as far as everything after Revolver, I would say Let It Be is my probably my favorite after mm-hmm. uh, of that era of the Beatles. Yeah. So, but it probably it, when you compare it to the earlier Beatle albums, the only one of those that it does better than just thinking of it off the top of my head, I would say it probably edges out Beatles for sale, mm. but it doesn't climb any higher than any of the others from that, makes sense. that era. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, certainly even like A Hard Day's Night, which I think is a f- phenomenal album. Um, yep. it, yeah, yeah, Beatles for sale, I'd have to agree with you. That, that one is kind of universally seen as one of the weaker Beatles albums. It's the weaker, especially of the pre-Pepper Yeah, albums. definitely. 
Um, I think for me, for Let It Be, in looking at the full scope of the catalog, I think maybe this will would land um, maybe somewhere around the middle for me. Um, certainly, right? Yeah, certainly yeah, higher same, than. Same for me. Yeah, certainly higher than obviously than Yellow Submarine and Beatles for Sale. Um, I put well, this... when I mm-hmm. yeah, when, when I think of Yellow Submarine, I primarily think of the four original songs. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, if, if I'm going to rank Yellow Submarine in there, I'm only going to rank it as an EP like of an EP. those four yeah, original absolutely. songs. It's barely an gonna... album. <laughs> I mean, I I like the George Martin instrumentals too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Yellow Submarine and Pepperland is right. is a great instrumental. But to call it a, a Beatles album feels a little. Um, it's like a kind of stretch. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would put this higher too than even like their first couple, like, please, please me with the Beatles. And I like those albums. Um, but I, I, I go to this one a little more than those. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would say, yeah, this is probably somewhere around the middle for me. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a couple songs that I'm not super fond of. I do like the little links that they have in between like, like the Maggie May, 30 second little um, thing they have and the, the, the dig it thing that they throw in well, there just because, you know, I, yeah. I always find, I always find those little um, trifles on well, Maggie, to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Maggie may is a little harder for me to swallow, especially because, <laughs> but well, the problem I have with it is it's mm-hmm. basically the outro of side a of the album. Yeah. The placement is a little if, odd. If you're listening to it on vinyl and you hear, Maggie May, especially after what was it, just across the universe? Yes, one of my favorite you know, Beatles songs, actually. You, you're you're kind of thinking, it almost reminds you of the inner groove from Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> yes. Like, what is this? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the placement is odd. If it was, if it had come, they, I, I think they maybe should have put it on side two because you have Dig It on side one. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, like, it, there's it's all kind of like smushed together towards the end of side one, all those weird moments, like it spread it out a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. You know, dig it. Not obviously not one of my favorites, but I yeah. will say getting that's, back. That's my favorite Beatles the, songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, let's tie it back to the movie a second. Let's yeah. talk about dig it in the movie, which mm-hmm. is in the second segment of the movie, uh, when they're at Apple studios itself, mm-hmm. this, this is one of the things that the movie really does, um, is how it gives, you the the background on it. this dig it was kind of a, a warm-up song kind of it's in the middle of the whole jamming yeah um when they're doing the the covers of the other songs and then they tack on dig it <laughs> yep. before you have that discussion between john and paul and you go to the recording of those songs so mm-hmm. it, it's just them noodling around and if with, with billy preston and if yeah. i dare even if I even dare make the analogy, I would say Dig It is almost kind of there, along with those other jam jamming together bits. It's kind of like their million dollar quintet, if you will. If you think hmm. back to the old Sun Sessions, yeah, where Sam Phillips was just rolling tape because he had Jerry Lee, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, and Elvis in the studio at once, something was wow. gonna happen. That's a really so, good point. So you get a longer cut of Dig It with, you know, it, it's longer. It's not 
just this mm-hmm. little blur. It's not another wild honey pie kind of thing. <laughs> it's my second favorite Beatles song. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then third is Revolution 9, yes, right? Yes, yes. Hey, I, you know what? <laughs> I actually really like Revolution 9. And I know that's a hottest. I don't mind it as takes. A, yeah. I don't mind it as an art piece, but right. as a song, as a, it's not a song. It's an art piece. Yes, what it is. yes, absolutely. And I just so, love the audacity of putting it on a Beatles album. I think is sure. just brilliant. But anyway, we digress again. But, <laughs> but yeah, but no, th- this is one thing the film really does is it gives you a little bit more respect for Diggit, as mm. you know, this is the, yeah. just them having fun. But you'll also notice. If you own the Let It Be album and the Let It Be Naked album, oh yeah, the, Dig It is not on the naked version of Let It Be. So you really get the feeling that this wasn't even supposed to be on the album. It's right. it's something that, I don't know, either Phil Spector or George Martin or whoever made the decision decided to include it. Right, right. When when they when we could have gotten Susie Parker instead. I know. <laughs> instead I of know. Dig, instead of Dig it and Maggie yeah, May. Maggie you, know, May. Could, you know what? Throw Susie and, Parker on too. There's room for everyone. <laughs> maybe throw out Dig. I, I throw out Dig a Pony. I don't. You don't that's just that one? one of those. I, kinda, I don't. I like that one. I, I think it's. I a, like the groove of it, but yeah. it's too lyrically nonsensical for me. It's yeah. Like the only the only thing I really take away from that song is the idea of celebrating anything you want. Okay, yeah, I think we sense. can get behind that. Yeah, definitely. But that's probably only. <laughs> yeah, that really I'm, I'm going to make I'm going to make you. some people angry when I tell everybody what song I would excise from this album. Hit me. The long and winding road. You know, having listened to your previous two episodes about Beatles movies, I knew it was going to be that oh, one. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> but now, ha- have you listened to the naked version of Long and Winding Road? Yeah, I have. I, it's been a okay. long, very been a very long time since I've heard it. I I haven't owned that CD in many years. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean it's it's a fine song. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's kind of like it's a kind of song that McCartney could just kind of like throw, you know, just toss out like nothing. I mean, it's pretty enough. It doesn't really. I don't know. To me, it just doesn't have enough there there compared to something as epic okay. as Let It Be. You know. Well, you know it was. If I remember my music trivia correctly, too, when mm-hmm. Paul heard what Phil Spector did to the long and winding road, that was mm-hmm. what really was the last straw for him. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't like the Phil Spector treatment. I like it. I mean, yeah. I also kind of like how, as a narrative, it's the coda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, true. You, you could you, you could use Let It Be or Long and Winding Road as the, the coda to the Beatles narrative. Right. And, and, until you get to like 76 when for some reason got to get you into my life charts earth wind and fire sergeant pepper the movie okay (laughs) but yeah the beatles version you know oh yes that's right yes yep the from revolver it just charted that's right how high it got but yeah it it went high into the top 40 wow yes i might have even made top 10 interesting yeah i was thinking of um of the earth wind and fire version which was around that same time and I wonder if maybe, maybe that's caused, why. Yeah. Yeah. Caused it to be reissued. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. That song just never really grabbed me all that much. Um, but yeah, you're right about the narrative. That's a really good placement in their career as far as, you know, the sentiment of the song. Um, but interestingly, this 
album and these sessions took place before Abbey Road, although it was mm-hmm. the album was released after Abbey Road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a little hard for me to follow the chronology of it and mm-hmm. but yeah, that that is interesting. Right. And so then Abbey Road was there more because they they kind of felt themselves sort of, you know, they felt the schism start to form making this mm-hmm. so, so it, i think it was paul who kind of pushed you know like we really should we should get bang the studio and do one more album and just like the way it used to be you know and um then they came up with a little something named abbey road but um yeah i i don't know why i wonder why this was shelved for so long um it, like it didn't it, it let it be didn't even come out till after mccartney's first solo album was released mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know either but um yeah, I mean, Get Back had been released as a single. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's because they didn't like the way it had been. I don't know. Well, no, that was before. Yeah, like I said, the chronology mm-hmm. is just hard for me to follow at times. I would need to yeah. have, have the, the textbook in front of me right. for me to read and then forget five minutes later. Right. <laughs> maybe I can get Paul McCartney on the show and he can kind of explain it a little bit. <laughs> there you go. That that would hey, that would be something. Well, that would be lovely. That would be. Um, let I want to talk a little bit to in, in, in talking about the music. We mentioned him briefly, but Billy Preston is yes. a big presence in this album. He's you can see him a little bit here and there in the movie, but his he plays all over this album, and he plays amazingly all over this album. What what an amazing addition to this to this to the ensemble. Absolutely. They, if I, again, this is again, if I recall my history correctly, the involvement of Billy Preston is actually not so much a novel concept because bringing in guests, you know, guest musicians into the studio was basically how they managed to keep the Beatles civil with Mm -hmm. each other during those oh, later yeah. years that that's why Eric Clapton was on why my good or while my guitar mm-hmm. gently weeps is because they just wanted company to make yeah. the fab four be on their best behavior. Right. And it seemed to work. So I, think, <laughs> I think, yep. And that's, I think that's kind of how Billy Preston, his presence first came into the room mm-hmm. just, just in case they couldn't behave in front of little Heather long right. enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's yeah, true. The yeah, the idea. But yes, I mean, wow. What what can you say? Especially, yeah. and again, listening to the naked version of "Let It Be" when you mm-hmm. can hear his organ much more prominently on the title track "Let It Be." Yeah, it's it it sublime. Really makes bring it really elevates all the songs to a higher level. It does, which is really saying it something does. because they're such amazingly crafted songs as it is. You know, <laughs> sure. But it's a little sprinkling of fairy dust on top that really, you know. You know, it's almost like the organ is just as much, the organ and the piano are just as much rock and roll instruments as the guitar. It is kind of like that, isn't it? How <laughs> dare you suggest such a heresy, Josh? <laughs> oh, what man. next, the harmonica? I know, right? a harmonica on a rock and roll oh, song? Why, why would anybody plug in their guitar? That just doesn't make sense oh. to me. <laughs> 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 oh man 
it, it, it's funny because the song get back i'm like whatever on it's fine um but his solo in that song is the best part of that Absolutely. song <laughs> like 100 sure. percent for me yeah so he i he, he was a really really welcome addition to the band and then he had his he own was. kind of brief solo career will it go around in circles yeah. space audit or was it out of space that's what it was called uh, yeah I was and, say, and don't David forget nothing <laughs> yeah out of space out, out of space odyssey can you yes. imagine a mashup of those two songs together listeners do that for us some audiophile needs to make that mashup on yes. youtube yes i, th- put I would that love out the to ether. Yeah. out of space oddity <laughs> i love that and who can forget nothing from nothing too? I love oh, that yeah. song. That that's almost that's kind of a almost a comical kind of song in a way with the like the jaunty. horns and the yeah. yes yeah. I, I don't want I don't want to say quite vaudeville, not quite you know Dixie Land kind of, but it's certainly hints of that shades. It's drugged out Dixieland. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's such were the times. <laughs> It's but vaudeville it's a, on coke. It's a fun song. It I, I love it though. It, I love I that. Too. I haven't really heard that in a long. I forgot that he that he did that one. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, he does also make an appearance in the Sgt. Pepper movie. I, I've heard. I have not seen yeah. that movie, oh, but it's, I, that was it's actually awesome. until I saw Cats. That was one of the worst movies I saw. But now I can very confidently say that Sgt. Pepper is a better movie than Cats. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll have to check that one out. Yes. Too. <laughs> I enjoy Sgt. Pepper, but I like the Bee Gees and I, you know, and um, some of the covers are okay, but yeah. Sure. Um, you, you know, early in the movie, you hear them working out Maxwell's silver hammer. I, mm. I guess in the early iterations, Max was supposed to get his comeuppance and be killed by his own, by someone else swinging his own hammer. Oh, interesting. Well, you hear at the end, Paul saying, "You know, made sure that made sure that Max was dead." Like, oh, I would right, have, right? I would have liked the song more if that had happened. Like, justice right. is done. Right. <laughs> I I've never liked Maxwell Silverhand, where it's like no, that, that makes my that makes my conservative Christian upbringing just flare up. <laughs> like, that's like, no, yeah. this this is bad. Yeah, I I'm I'm here's another Beetle hot take. I'm not a huge lover of the Abbey Road album. Me neither. Like I said, yeah. Let It Be is my favorite yeah. of the post-revolver. Yeah. Particularly side one. Side two, I can kind of get with. The, the medley is kind of cool. You know, but um, I like the, the Golden Slumbers medley. I like, yeah. I think it's more, co- I think it's the more coherent medley. Yes. Yeah. But I, I no, I, I don't care for the, the Sun King medley all yeah. that much yeah i do like you've never give you never give me your money i think is a pretty cool song um, that's an okay one yeah here comes the sun is amazing um of course yeah i want you i i think is kind of cool just because it's so weird but the rest of side one yeah, I that, that one doesn't i yeah. like you know i like the baroque harmony feel of because yeah that's cool too yeah and and you know i, I and come together in something uh two great lead off tracks too see i don't like come together at all i i, I really? think that's a terrible song <laughs> i mean it's not my favorite but i you know that song i think captures best everything that the beatles 
did for the history and evolution of rock and roll because it mm. was such a big hit song, a commercial, a commercial product. Mm-hmm. It's one that has been widely covered. It's one that is very unique. It's innovative. It has a very solid rock beat. And mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, it also kind of ties the whole drugs and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Not so much the sex, but the the drugs and rock and roll kind of yeah. marriage too. I mean, it's it's not one of I mean, it's not my favorite by a long stretch, but I think when you look at what the Beatles brought to the table, including the, I know a lot of Beatles fans say whatever about the commercial aspect, but Mm -hmm. you got to remember rock and roll was kind of seen as dying out before I want to hold your hand came crashing onto our shores. So making rock and roll a commercial product is a lot of what helped rock and roll survive that that is very true time. So, so the fact that that was a number one single or number two depending upon which mm-hmm. story you believe right you right. know it's I, I, think, I think come together come together sums up it is the best embodiment of what hmm. the beatles can contributed to rock and roll even wow. if it's not among my even if it's not among my favorites yeah it's I think that's the song you, you got to point to. That's and a say, very interesting you know, point you make. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think maybe I just associate it with Aerosmith, again, going back to the Sgt. Pepper movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a Steven Tyler allergy. So that was <laughs> <laughs> that might be my aversion to that song. But I, I totally okay. see where you're coming from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess if you can disassociate Steven Tyler yeah. from that song, maybe it'll be different. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, I like the album. Two of Us is wonderful. Um, yep. One of their, I, I think, song. one of their underrated songs. I think that yeah. that's a song that I think should be played on classic rock radio. Um, you know, given how much, you know, if if I can diverge a little bit yeah. here. Um, kind of dig- or digress mm-hmm. the classic rock stations back in my home state of Michigan or at least when I was living there were more Beatles oriented like not mm-hmm. not so much you know the early stuff but they played you know Sergeant Pepper's on they leaned a lot on, uh, on the solo careers not so much on Ringo but they even did play Ringo, solo Ringo stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved out to where I live now, it's like you can't have classic rock without playing three Led Zeppelin songs every hour. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you talk about two of us being played on a classic rock station, yeah, only if you're going to pair it. Yeah. I mean, only if you're going to pair it with Fool in the Rain or something. Yeah, <laughs> I see where you're I see what you're saying. <laughs> uh, it's No, they, you have to swing Maxwell Silver Hammer of the Gods. Yeah, they, oh, they're very nicely done. Very nicely Thanks. done. Um Thank you and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you all is forgiven. I'm actually excited cuz every every um Black Friday here on our like pretty much what is the only classic rock radio station that's left in the area. They do the Beatles A to Z. They start at like eight o'clock oh. in the morning and they play um, from sun up till Sunday. It's like from eight to eight or nine, depending on, you know, um, depending on when they start, but it's, they play every Beatles song in alphabetical order. It's really, now, do fun. they do, 
do they include solo stuff too, or is it just the Beatles? They have a couple times. The... There were a couple special okay. years that they did it over two days, and they when they added like kind of the key solo songs. But usually they just do the, the just the Beatles. Funny you mention that because back in Lansing, mm-hmm. the, uh, on the oldie station at the time, there was the host, one of the hosts there, John Robinson, used to do that every year. He would do it on the anniversary of the Beatles' first coming to America. So he would play oh, wow. the Beatles A to Z, and he would include all of the top 40 solo wow. hits. So you would you'd even get girls' school by Paul. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. You'd get you'd get arrow through me. You would get wow. You would get I. You, he didn't do all the hot 100 mm-hmm. songs. So then you'd have to play a John song that you definitely could not play in this uh, time. Mm-hmm. I, I know which one, I know which one you're thinking of. <laughs> yep, <laughs> from sometime in New York City. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Though. He, yeah, and he would include some other rarities, like he includes Freddie Lennon's "That's My Life, My mm. Love, and My." Or you know, he includes that one. He includes, I think he includes one or two songs from Julian. I'm not sure. Wow. But that used to be a annual thing where it would be over two Saturdays. He would do that, go A to That's Z with the Beatles. Cool. Yep. That's super fun. Yeah, I always look forward to that, and it's it's you know interactive, and it's you know they Starts have with, starting with and... a cross. Starting with Across the Universe and ending with Your Mother Should Know. Yes. Yep. <laughs> They're starting off with one of their best songs. Yeah. For Across the Universe, I think, is is maybe maybe John's masterpiece. I don't know. I know that's a big statement because he, he's you know written so many classics. But for me, I don't know. That song just, I think, really just resonates with me for some reason. I think and, and the other thing, too. It's definitely one of your favorite songs. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, that's, I that's, with, that's what I'll say. <laughs> okay. With this caveat though, I will say um it depends on what version you're listening to because there's a couple different recordings of it. One of them yep. is the one that has like the birds at the beginning and there's like a, sure. the girls choir. That one doesn't really do much for me. Um Yeah, that was the one that was on the World Wildlife Charity album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, also too with Across the Universe, it, it's one of those songs that I think the song, when I think of it as a song, I like it more than I like the recordings of it in general. Um, okay. Because I hear like if, like if you hear like Fiona Apple's version, I think is really, really good. Rufus Wainwright does a really, really good version of it. So I think the song, it, it, it kind of transcends the recording of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can. I can see what you're saying there. Yeah. Maybe okay. Maybe I should rephrase. Maybe it's not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but I think it's one of my favorite John songs. One of the one of your favorite compositions by him. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Nice. John was not my favorite Beatle. <laughs> I'll just be straight up. Um, That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I have very complicated feelings about John Lennon, but um yeah that one I think. So he did he. Right. he? So did he? Yes. It's absolutely absolutely the truth. I've always been a, a big George fan. And Paul fan. Musically, my favorite is probably Paul. But okay. uh, personality-wise, I, I always found George kind of interesting, just because he's a little mysterious. Beginning of the film where Paul's doing a little piano, not much there to... But it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure at first. I'm like, is that him or is it like George Martin overdubbed? And I think it was him. He's such a musical genius. Like, just to yep. be able to sit down and be able to play something like that. And of course, you get the... I guess what's supposed to be the studio recordings of 
two of us and let it be and long and winding rope. Now, did you notice during two of us, am I crazy or is John chewing gum? It looks like were, it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it sounds yeah. fine, but at the same right. time you're like, why is a singer chewing gum while right. he's like, how is the mic? Two of them. That up and, right. <laughs> I mean, he's not blowing bubbles at least, but right, right. <laughs> you kind of want, come on, John. You should I totally noticed that too. That. You're right. <laughs> That's unprofessional, John Lennon. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing vocal takes this, this afternoon. Okay, I'll be sure to have some gum while I'm doing that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, I, I think the last big element that we should talk about that we really didn't go into that much detail about is a rooftop concert. Yep. Well, you know, I was I was thinking about that too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a really huge... Um, red letter moment in the Beatles history. Yeah. I mean, when you just, when you first see them climb out onto the roof, you get an idea what a brisk day it had to have been too. Yeah. I was cold. Just looking wearing at the footage. coats. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. You could you see there's a couple times too, where, where John and Paul kind of like shrug, like they're shivering, you know, like to try and keep warm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a, it's such a gutsy audacious thing to do. To like, you know, let's just go on top of the roof of our studio and just play our music. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to buy tickets. We're just going to blast the whole, you know, street with our music. Right. But at the same, that's another one of those. I think it was the, that came from the production. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the idea, it was people behind the scene. I'm not sure if it was uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg's idea himself or with somebody else but the original tv special was going to have some other kind of performance and that got axed and mm. so they came up with the idea of playing on the roof instead so yeah. that, that's how that came about interesting yeah it, because it, it it seems very like they're almost like they're enjoying themselves, but they're almost not also not enjoying themselves. Like they see, there's a little bit of, of uneasiness in knowing that, well, we're probably are going to get shut down by the cops, but at the same time, there's also that kind of, um, you know, thrill, thrill. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that That's very evident in their, um, in their performance, but yeah. And the discomfort could have been weather related too. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. It's the, the crowd footage from, uh, from the street. It was really cool too. That was that was almost the highlight of it. Mm -hmm. Just the whole gamut of reactions, <laughs> right. definitely. I mean, you've yeah. got people climbing onto roofs and opening their windows. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of the, especially that one guy who's climbing up the ladder with a pipe in his mouth. Like, how long has yeah. he been smoking a pipe right. that he can climb up a ladder with ease and you don't even see it bobble at all right. in his jaw? <laughs> that. That's one thing that just caught my attention. Like, oh my, like who first of all keeps smoking their pipe while climbing a ladder? And how does that thing not jiggle in his lips? They're really good at like, it must be like an, an, a British thing. Like John can chew gum while singing and no, you can't hear it. He can hold a pipe in his mouth and not jiggle. <laughs> he holds it in place with his stiff upper lip. Yes, maybe. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but yeah, the the reaction from the street, uh, mm. <laughs> I like, like it too. incredulous I, looks from everybody. Well, I don't know if this was edited this way, but when 
John, I think it's when John kind of flubs the lyric in Don't Let Me Down. Mm. Uh, you hear they cut to the woman on the street, but it's like, I can't understand anything they're saying. And this is <laughs> what nonsense are they uttering? Right. <laughs> like it's right at that moment when John flubs the lyric. Right, right. That's true. I forgot about that. That's a great moment. <laughs> they said they yeah, sound I, they sound great. They did. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean like you'd expect anything else. <laughs> right. But you can tell like they they, they the the songs are nice and polished, you know, they have them all pretty much in working order ready to go for the yep. album. There's even a couple um moments from the the con from that concert on the album including the closing yeah. the closing uh quip from john lennon i hope we pass the audition yes. <laughs> yep although they cut out the whole bit of paul like oh you've been playing on the roof again Absolutely right. big. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's another thing that i like i really enjoy about that album is how they put the little um going back to like i said about the links and stuff like that how they have the little mm-hmm. snippets of dialogue that are in there. And now we'd like to be haunt the angels come. Right. <laughs> and it, it was cool to see them in context in this movie too. Yep. And they, it was a long uh, set. They played like a half hour. Yeah. You know, the, and the, the bobbies as they would be called, which started appearing in the middle of the second song. Like mm-hmm. they're already there when they're halfway through. Don't let me down. <laughs> right. <laughs> you wonder how long, but I, you know, I love how they kind of take their time in reacting to this too. You wonder if it's because it was the Beatles doing this, or because right. they're still trying to figure out what to do about it. Yeah, <laughs> That's I mean, true. or they know, were I mean, just digging the, the music. When we're done, they're done. We'll arrest them. <laughs> right. I mean, you get the one guy who's like, "Well, this music's all right, and there's a time and a place for it, but not during lunch hour." Right. Right. <laughs> And the same, and the on the other side, you got the guy in the car who's like, "Well, it's nice to get something for free in this country." Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was great, and that's still true to this day. Like, yeah. if if you had if you had Springsteen and the E Street Band oh, on the roof somewhere, yes. you'd get the same reaction. So, like, well, it's nice to have yeah. something for free in this Absolutely. country once in a while. Absolutely, that wouldn't that be? I'm just thinking that would be brilliant to do during the pandemic. I mean, you're socially the band is socially distanced from the audience. You're getting a free concert when everybody needs music in their life. Put that you can on. listen from yeah. your own home. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a great idea. <laughs> I do love to that. It, it, it's cer- certainly better than uh, doing it all via Zoom. Yeah, it's it's better than um, doing it on Zoom and. Um, HBO without any performances, but that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Um, I did love that little line that Paul threw in um, during get back. Cause I think he kind of knew that they were, you know, ready to pull the plug on them. And, you know, during the little instrumental part where he's like, get back Loretta, your mommy's going to arrest you. (laughs) It's kind of his way of saying, all right. We're ready well, for I think you. that's why they they closed with Get Back because they opened it with with Get Back too. So I think right, the whole right. point of doing it as a reprise was to say, okay, we're closing out. We're getting back now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So yeah. So I I think we we pretty much covered everything. We covered a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you wanted to add or any any final thoughts you had on Let It Be? Uh, maybe this means something, maybe it doesn't, but mm-hmm. I noticed too the 
placement of the George and Ringo songs were right at the middle of mm. the movie. It's the last bit you see of the Twickenham Studios yeah, work true. session where they're doing I Me Mine, and then they open up at Apple with For You Blue, and then after Bessemer you get Octopus's Garden where yeah. they're so it's kind of funny that because the Beatles by this point were becoming so heavy with John and Paul that right in the middle of it is where they choose to sandwich the key George and Ringo moments. Yeah, that is I, that's just, that's just something I kind of like. Maybe they're trying to, I don't know if palindrome's the right idea, but kind of you know, sandwiching it between all these John and Paul heavy moments. Right. I hope that wasn't a way for the director to like condescend to them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I'm. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. And it was such great footage. Like those were some of my favorite moments in the movie. I mean, I I really enjoyed this. It was really nice to. I've I've been kind of on a Beatles dry spell lately, and mm-hmm. so that it was really this kind of got me back on the on the Beatles wagon. And um, I I might bust bust out my Let It Be vinyl this week and um, and give it a spin and, go, for and it. go back for some of the other ones too and. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be um, inspired to do a formal ranking <laughs> of my well, albums. Yeah, yeah. It, it made me go back and watch the other three. Well, because I've seen Yellow Submarine so many times, like I know that that's my favorite. Yeah. But it made me go back and rewatch A Hard Day's Night and Help and, and Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Too to just go back and. It kind of made me want to watch, watch those the well. um, other Beatles documentaries too, like re- revisit anthology. And also do like the um, the one that's on Hulu, the one about the touring years. Okay. Like it kind of made me interested in in that part as well because I haven't seen those in a long time too. And they're they have such a fascinating story, you know, so much folklore <laughs> involved in the Beatles history. Indeed. And now you can say you actually have seen all I've the Beatles movies. I've now seen all five Beatles movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So how would you rank them? How would you oh, rank the five Beatles movies? Really good question. Okay. I'll start from the bottom up. Um, my bottom one, I would probably have to put help. I like all of them. Okay. I like all of them, but that's maybe the right. one I'm least inclined to watch. Number four, number four, I probably would have put Magical Mystery Tour. Um, okay. Number three, Let It Be. Number two, Hard Day's Night. Number one, Yellow Submarine. That, that would be where I would nice. put them. Yeah. How about you? There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge documentary fan so let it be probably would be number five for me uh number four will be magical mystery tour even though i like it even though i can enjoy it as you know this fictional infomercial kind of thing yeah it's still gonna fall to number four yeah uh number three i'm actually gonna say is a hard day's night oh wow Mm -hmm. I, i i like a hard day's night the problem i have with it is kind of in the dialogue. The banter is mm, yeah. is too quick in some places, and with Liverpudlian accents, yeah, it's hard you to understand. Can't always catch it. Right. Yeah, you need to watch it with subtitles or something. Yeah. <laughs> Help, I'm gonna say is number two. I I watched it again a couple nights ago, and mm. within the first five minutes, I'm laughing out loud. <laughs> I, I I love slapstick. Yeah. Kind of humor, kind of goofy humor like that. I know not everybody's into it, but I was laughing so much <laughs> throughout Help. I should really, I should rewatch it. I haven't seen Help in probably 20 years. <laughs> well, I mean, 
and, and our tastes are, are different, definitely too. So it, yeah, I I certainly wouldn't implore you knowing, you know, yeah. what Beatles songs and what kind of what your taste in mood. I'm definitely much more pedestrian <laughs> to a degree. I, I'm not oh, lowbrow. I'm uni. <laughs> I'm not lowbrow. I am uni. I'm unibrow. <laughs> that's how. That's how pedestrian. It's, it's unibrow. I love it. <laughs> but Yellow Submarine is definitely number one for me. It's, yeah. I, I love the imagination, the departure mm-hmm. from standards of animation, Absolutely. the and it's visual gag. to look at. It's just a just beautiful the, movie. Just the whole idea of being doing seas without any yeah. depiction of water. It, like, yeah. just even that yep. is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. The imagination on display is just un. un impeachable unparalleled absolutely i've seen it more times than i can count i can recite the whole thing and i still i still see new things every time i watch it mm-hmm. well philip thank you so so much for for coming out and taking time to do this so philip where can where can we find you out in the world of social media and the internet the land of the internet <laughs> all right well i am on twitter my handle is succotash 54 i can't remember if the underscore is in it or not it's the underscore is in my email address, but mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's in my Twitter handle or not. Let me, I will check uh, right my, now <laughs> since I have Twitter open as we speak. Sure. Uh, my blog is rock hall monitors at blog or dot blog spot or blogger, whichever dot mm-hmm. com. I haven't put out anything recently on that blog just because a, the pandemic kind of brought all rock hall news to yeah. a halt for the most yeah. part. And B, as an essential worker, I have been busy as all get out. I can't even begin to imagine. I know I said it last time you were you're on, but calling it, I have to say it again. Like, thank you for all you do. You're you're very welcome, and thank you for you know supporting us and mm. other essential workers. I, you know we we've been saying this is worse than Christmas, and now we're about to find out. Oh my God! I, I you guys have my you guys have my heart. I, I it's I can't imagine what you're going through right now. And oh, and just so you know, there is an underscore in your um. Okay, handle. there we go. <laughs> so so um, listeners, if you would like to contact me, um, the email address for the show is movies at rockpod at gmail dot com. My uh, personal Twitter handle is um, Josh F six one eight. The podcast Twitter handle is at RockMoviesPod. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. It does help people to find the show. You don't have to necessarily be positive. I can take the criticism. Any feedback is always appreciated. And um, so please don't hesitate to leave your feedback. Thanks again, Philip. I will be talking to you soon. Thank you. Yep. Bye. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be.